What's up, guys? Welcome back to another Numbers Guys NFL podcast. Today, I am joined with Seth Warner and special guest host, Dr. Paul, one of mine and Seth's professors. Dr. Paul, thanks so much for coming on the podcast. We've been very excited about this episode for the past few days. We're going to be talking about Dr. Paul. He started a company, C-Sports, and each week he puts out a watchability index. Dr. Paul, we'll start with a little bit about yourself. Obviously, you're a professor right now, but you can talk about your past and what you're doing currently on the side. Sure. Thank you, Brent. Uh, uh, my background is uh, right now I am currently a professor of sport management at uh, Syracuse University. I'm the director of the sport analytics program, the really only one of its kind that, that's out there and get the pleasure of being able to uh, interact with all these wonderful students that are there and be able to see all the things they're doing, which is uh, super exciting and it's really, really great to see. Uh, my background, my PhD is in economics. Uh, never really you know, knew that I could be able to use it for sports, but I'm I'm so happy that I have been able to. It's been really a kind of very, you know, great, lucky life in that sense that I've gotten to do some work involving uh, moving AHL teams out West in terms of their relationship with the NHL. I've worked for a couple of NFL teams and it's really been a, a, a dream come true. And uh, most of my background was more on the business side of sports, but I've actually dabbled a bit on the player side and performance side as well, which is, which is really a lot of fun and uh, people get get you know really into it was so fun to be able to see Moneyball I guess my best story from the past to kind of give you why this is such a dream is that I grew up you know in a time that even you know the video games were not as much right so you're dealing with really low-tech video games but I was a huge fan of uh, APBA and Stratomatic uh, dice sports like dice baseball and things like that I played those things all the time and just loved the idea of being able to uh, think about how statistics impacts the game etc I was exposed to Bill James and got to read his stuff, you know, back when that originally came out and really is kind of a, a student of that, you know, just got lucky to be able to be in the, the right place at the right time that there was a demand for economists in sports and I've gotten uh, lucky enough to be a uh, part of that movement. Yeah, you bring up Bill James. I like to think that you serve as a Bill James kind of in our academic career. We look up to you. You have a lot. And uh, Seth and I also big fans of Bill James. Just want to mention for our listeners that Seth and I were fortunate, fortunate enough to get a retweet from Bill James this past summer when we were working on some uh, relief pitching data from the 2019 MLB season. That being said, I just want to jump right into the watchability index. Dr. Paul, can you break down each axis for us and which data each access has in your watchability index? Sure. Let me let me start by kind of the idea behind this was more along the lines of trying to be able to give people at a quick view, a quick sight, uh, what games are likely to be most interesting uh, with some underlying assumptions. And the underlying assumptions are is that people probably prefer close games that are expected to be high scoring to other types of games. So if we look at the index, what happens is that upper left-hand quadrant are games that would be expected to be high scoring and close because because the horizontal axis is the absolute value of the point spread on the game. So take what's the numbers that are out there in Vegas and be able to take the absolute value because in terms of watchability for something like television, we probably don't necessarily care in national games, you know, who's favored, whether it's the home team or the road team, but more, how much are they favored by? So this doesn't differentiate really home or road. Uh, like if you're doing something in a local market, it might need to be adjusted like this. But if you're thinking about it from a national standpoint 
That's why I take the absolute value there. And then on the vertical axis, put the total. So the over-under on the game to be able to be the representation of expected scoring. And one thing I've always found really fascinating about the gambling markets is that it's not really just for gamblers. It's something that we can use to peer into the future. It's a crystal ball, right? It goes ahead and tells us what are these games you know, expected to be like. And we know that part of the fun of sports is that we don't really know exactly what it's going to be like on any given you know, game, right? Any given draw that uh, occurs at that particular time, we don't necessarily know what's going to happen. But if the games were to be simulated a million times, we can kind of be able to think about well, what's the average outcome look like, right? What's the median outcome look like? And that's really kind of what goes on in terms of uh, Vegas. For people that might not be as familiar with the betting market uh, things, what happens is that these prices that they form, the point spreads in football or totals, or if you're talking like baseball, the odds, these things have been shown in you know statistical studies to be very good predictors of the you know future events, right? We know that the outcomes themselves are very noisy, but the actual thing in terms of like looking at lots and lots of games, it's a really, really good predictor. So kind of put those two things together. And then I use Tableau just to be able to easily add a color um, to attribute to the different dots that show up to be able to represent the quality of these two teams. And so for something like the NFL, I just use wins, uh, but for the same watchability index for college football, use more of like a power ranking type thing in terms of Sagarin ratings that are out there. So you get like a goldish color on the index for a really, really high quality matchup. And then like a more reddish color for the uh, games that might not feature as interesting of teams. And then also try to add a little bit of information on the uh, chart itself by the mark that represents the game is a different shape for what time the game is on. So it gives people that information as well. Yeah. So that it, it's definitely awesome. We're going to, we're going to post a link on our Twitter to what this watchability index looks like. It's definitely very visually appealing, easy to understand. And basically everything Dr. Paul said is right there on one chart. Definitely easy to look at. Um, Dr. Paul, I'm sure you've looked into as well, how, how accurate these uh, these the watchability index is and ratings. Do you do you also think that there are some other uh, other factors, including like a superstar player, like a Tom Brady game, will see more uh, more viewers. Where a team that doesn't necessarily have a superstar will see less viewers. Uh, is that part of your your calculation? Does that have an impact? So, what do you think there? Yeah, no, the, like my my forecasts of actual like ratings would be a bit different than what the index would be because it would take into account some of those factors that you're talking about, whether it's star players or whether it might have to do with like team that's on hot streaks. You know, it's one thing to be a, a team that's six and six, but if you've won four in a row, that's probably more enticing for people to watch than if you've just been you know trading wins and losses throughout the season. So there'd be a variety of other factors that would go in, uh, but I guess my my econ background in me is always goes for simple, general, and useful. So that being trying to overcomplicate things uh, sometimes can make it that people don't want to read it or don't want to be able to look at it. So kind of, I think on this side, it's less of what game do I think it's going to get the highest rating, more along the lines of that if we're just thinking about, hey, what games are expected to be close and high scoring versus what games are expected to be blowouts and low scoring, you can be able to see that at a glance. So if you've been busy throughout the week, you 
you didn't get a much chance to look at anything and you know you've been busy for the last month and you haven't kept track of the nfl now you want to sit down and see who's uh what games are likely to be most interesting hopefully it would go ahead and be able to provide some information there in addition to people that do follow it all the time the numbers themselves might reveal stuff that like well this is a surprising number why is it like that and it's because oh there's an injury you know to a key player or something like that yeah i think this is definitely the perfect time of the season as you mentioned some people go a month without watching football if you're gonna watch football this is the weekend you want to be watching out of the past few weeks and this is definitely the perfect week to check out the watchability index i know myself and seth big nfl fans we're definitely going to buckle down watch all six games but there's some people out there who just simply don't have the time may have to move work around to watch one or two games so definitely check out the index if you're trying to figure out which game you want to watch um, heading into the index specifically this week, do you want to walk us through the six games and kind of, I know you uh, like to put out a little bit of a summary at the bottom, kind of tell us uh, what you're expecting from the games. Sure. Yeah. No, I guess I'll start from least interesting and then be able to move to what I think would be most interesting. So the lower right-hand quadrant has both the uh, Tampa Bay, Washington and Chicago, New Orleans uh, games. The game that of those two that has the lowest total, the lowest expected scoring would be Tampa Bay and Washington. And then uh, the Chicago, New Orleans game, a little bit higher expected scoring, but even a, a higher point spread in that game. So uh, be able to be expected to be even less close than that. Again, why those two games would be there is that you have a Tampa team that looks like it's put it together a bit, right? There was a time middle of the season where Tampa looked like they had really turned it on defensively and was getting a ton of pressure. And in addition to what the offense can do, and that fell to the wayside a little bit for a few weeks, but then they seem to have that back. And, you know, everybody by this point in time, or nearly everybody knows that the NFC East was pretty much a joke. And, uh, you know, Washington probably got in because uh, Philly decided to be able to uh, not play the fourth quarter um, in the in the game they had against Washington on Sunday night so uh, so that would explain I think where that is Chicago uh, again you don't know exactly what to make of them in some ways depending upon when you know which games you might have watched you might have thought that they looked pretty good other games did not look very good at all so I think some of the variants could play into that that maybe they'll be able to put together a good game but it seems like New Orleans is a much better team there and that's why we see such a uh, big point spread for for a playoff game and again, the expansion of the uh, playoffs, being able to go to an additional wildcard team and having six games this weekend as opposed to four, lots of people like that. And I would expect personally the NFL is going to keep that in the future because it adds more revenue and gets more teams into the playoffs. But an attribute of that that probably is going to occur is you'll wind up with more games that are not expected to be as close in that weekend because you're bringing in teams that um, you know, would not have made the playoffs in the past. The lower left-hand quadrant or the upper right-hand quadrant depends on your you know, personal preferences here, but I'll go lower left first because I generally believe that people like watching scoring as opposed to not scoring, with, with my exception being the uh, Colquitt family that has the long lineage of punters in the NFL, so they always cheer when the, uh, the team has to punt. You don't get too many other people that do that. So, uh, But if I start in the lower left there, you have the Rams-Seattle game, which, again, you go back a month, this might have 
have been a really, really prime game that everybody would be looking forward to. I mean, uh, not too many weeks ago, I thought the Rams would be a good team to be able to pick out as, you know, being prime for a run, to be able to make a Super Bowl run again. And uh, they really, again, there's injuries and things, but I don't necessarily believe that as much today. And Seattle, who looked so good early in the season, uh, there's been struggles, right? And it's uh, so that game with the injuries and with how the offenses have been, you know, inefficient uh, lately has a very low total, even though it's expected to be a pretty close game. Likewise, with a little bit higher point spread, we have Cleveland Pittsburgh, which also has, you know, not just injuries, but the COVID situation with coach and everything that's happening there that adds into play. But uh, it's a matter of that the, uh, the game is expected to be lower scoring and, you know, relatively close compared to the other games that are out there, but not quite as much. I, I think that has the, the possibility of being an interesting game. I mean, I don't think a lot of people expected Pittsburgh to be able to play well last week when they're playing Cleveland and they did. I mean, it's about, they very easily, I think could have won that game. Uh, it would, and now that everybody looks at it and say, well, Roethlisberger's playing, etc. So maybe they'll just go out there and dominate. Maybe we'll get the opposite effect and uh, Cleveland will be able to not, uh, you know, suffer that and be able to, to keep it close or be able to pull out a win. But I think uh, it's nice to have Cleveland back in the playoffs. I think that's uh, pretty interesting. Although it was uh, watching the NFL network replay where they had Tommy Maddox and uh, Hulk Welcome as the uh, two quarterbacks from the 2003 playoffs that it doesn't go ahead and be able to bring back great memories of uh, of that game. No uh, prime quarterbacks necessarily. Uh, no disrespect. All NFL quarterbacks are are really, really good, but it's uh, not something that uh, invoked great memories from me. But, but yeah, so those are the two games. They're in the lower left. The upper right is the game that has the uh, most combined wins between the two teams, which is uh, Indianapolis and Buffalo. Uh, I think that, you know, Buffalo Buffalo has looked so good. I mean, to me, you know, Buffalo at Kansas City, you know, to me, probably should be less than a three-point favorite for Kansas City. I would expect I, mean, I expect it to be more when it comes out. But to me, I, I would think that Buffalo's playing really, really well. And that in terms of like recent performance, I think have been more impressive than what Kansas City has been. With that in mind, the situation on Diggs and Cole Beasley, I think, makes a, a big difference. I mean, Diggs has played such a big role, I think, in terms of the evolution of Josh Allen. Um, and again, no disrespect to Allen because he's it's just been terrific. I mean, he's been wonderful in terms of how he's played. But I think the confidence he has with Diggs really plays into that. And, uh, you know, they've, they've looked so good that the point spread is kind of high against an Indianapolis team that has been surprising. I mean, it's... Uh, it, you know, people had some hopes in terms of, you know, Rivers being able to come over and Taylor in the draft, et cetera, but probably didn't expect this to be that good of a team, right? And some weeks, again, they don't look great when they blew a lead, you know, Pittsburgh, et cetera, but then other times have looked really, really good. So uh, depending upon what the injury situation is, that could wind up being a closer game than people think. Uh, but, but to me, you know, Buffalo is probably playing the best of uh, any team that's out there right now. And then we get to the game that's in the upper left-hand quadrant that has the highest total by far of any of the games on the board this weekend and also a relatively close point spread in terms of, you know, that's just over a field goal in Baltimore and Tennessee. Um, a lot of power rankings out there have Baltimore really, really high. So Baltimore, I think, is kind of a favorite of people that are looking for a slight underdog to pick a team to be able to win the Super Bowl as a bit of a longer shot on the board based on how they've been playing. Uh, Tennessee, what 
what they did in the playoffs last year, how well coached they are. I think that's, you know, they would put fear into anybody for that situation. So um, I expect that to be the, the most interesting and fun game, right? At one point in time, you would think about these two teams dominated by defense going back just shortly and be the, oh, this would be a low scoring game. If you haven't followed the NFL, it's not really like that. I mean, these teams have the potential to put up lots and lots of points and really fast, right? This is something that if you step out to go make yourself a sandwich, you might miss two touchdowns. So something to be able to uh, keep an eye on probably throughout the game. But uh, that to me is the game I'm most looking forward to. And I think uh, offers the most entertainment value to anyone that's looking to say, oh, I only have time to watch one game. What would I want to watch? That's that would be my guess, especially if you have no rooting interest for you know your home team or your favorite team, something like that. Yeah. And like and like you said too, um, Baltimore, Tennessee, like we so we, we've done uh, for those of you who haven't listened to anything we've done earlier in the week, we've done two NFL episodes already this week. And, you know, we've talked about that Baltimore Tennessee game as one of our favorite games of the week. Uh, Tennessee's pass defense isn't very good. Lamar Jackson should do well through the air. We know he can run. We know what Derrick Henry does uh, during the playoffs. He's been on a tear of late too. Um, but yeah, th- this is reassuring for us too. Cause you know, we've, we've dissected, you know, we did a general playoff preview earlier in the week. We did a fantasy preview last night. Um, and, you know, without even looking at the spreads and point totals, we we picked out our favorite games to watch this week, which games should be tight, which games, you know, you kind of expect a blowout. And it's pretty consistent with what we see here. So I think that that's pretty reassuring for us, uh, knowing that, you know, without looking at the spread and total, uh, we're picking out the right games that are going to be good to watch. And especially that Baltimore-Tennessee game, we've been hyping that up all week. That, that game is, if you look at the watchability index chart, that game is above and beyond the best game to watch this week and uh, we expect nothing less that's yeah great great game to look forward to and these numbers are so useful for fantasy too right it's a matter of that if you're looking for players that are reasonably priced to be able to put on your roster so you can add an extra superstar in daily fantasy or something you know putting a a player that's on a game that has expected high scoring is probably much better than it's a game that's not expected to have much scoring so and a lot of times you'll be able to find players that would be you know the second tight end who still gets used you know in the game on those teams that might score you a touchdown and and get you a quick seven or eight points or something with uh, on a very 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 low base salary. So those are the type of things that can can win you uh, some daily fantasy pools for certain. All right, before we wrap things up, shying a little bit away from the watchability index, Doctor Paul, I know me and Seth are both interested, and I'm sure listeners are interested too. Obviously, you're settled down in Tampa Bay. I'm sure you're not in Tampa Bay in Florida. Excuse me. Uh, I'm not sure where your uh, fandom lies there, but looking towards the Super Bowl, uh, any predicted matchups that you feel pretty confident in? Yeah, I think it's I think it's kind of tough. It's a matter of that. I think I'd still with the home field for Kansas City and the injury situation. I think I still like Kansas City in the AFC. I mean, I, I'm tempted to go with Buffalo because they've just been so impressive lately. I, I've not been high on Green Bay. I, I don't you know, can't really exactly tell you why. I mean, I watch Green Bay games, and even though I think I should be impressed, I'm sometimes not. Um, I I would think if the Saints stay healthy, that that the 
Saints are a team to me that uh, would be able to make it there, but I, I'd be wary of Tampa and Brady, right? It's a matter of that's a, a hate to go ahead and be able to be in a situation of thinking that denying their, the opportunity there for Brady to make another push. But I think if you, if you put me to uh, the task, I go ahead and be able to say Kansas City, New Orleans, and in a shootout, Kansas City goes back to back in Super Bowl titles. Mm. Yeah, I know Seth and I both in a uh, fantasy playoff league. I know Seth on his primary roster has two Saints players out of nine players. I have three on my roster. So both of us pretty confident in the Saints' ability this postseason. Uh, also, Drew Brees potentially hanging up the cleats after this season. I see his teammates rallying behind him saying, hey, if we're not winning it for the city, if we're not winning it for ourselves, we got to win it for Brees. So should be interesting. Uh, thank you so much for coming on. We really appreciate it. Uh, everyone listening, there's the watchability index that Dr. Paul puts out weekly for the NFL and NCAA football. Really cool stuff. Be sure to check it out on his website, which is csports.net. He has a bunch of other really cool stuff up there. So definitely take the time to check that out. Again, I'm Brent joined tonight with Seth Warner and Dr. Paul. Thank you for listening as always. Until next time, have a good one.